Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for all that you've done in our lives and the, the freedom to be able to come here and to worship you openly and publicly. Lord, may we, may we never take this privilege for granted. And we pray for this nation today. It desperately needs prayer and for our leaders, Lord, so that we may continue to lead a quiet and peaceable life. We pray, Father, for this morning, for the presence of your Spirit to take this living word and to begin to speak to us, each one of us individually, what each one of us needs to hear. Lord, that we would leave here not with more information in our mind, but we would leave here with an impartation in our spirit and in our heart. And so we trust you for that. We trust the anointing of your spirit that's upon this word and is in this place. And we thank you, Father, in advance for what you will do. May we have eyes to see ears to hear and hearts to grasp what the Spirit is saying to us at Faith Christian Center today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Open your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 again. We finished last week our series on seasons, but the last message, which was the final season, transitions very easily and very well into what God put on my heart to begin to talk about. When we were in vacation uh, at the end of last month, I was sitting in the church that we attend when we go to that area. And I felt God speak to me about, about something in my own life and therefore for us together. And I just saw how it fit together. And so we're going to talk today, if they can put that verse up, Ecclesiastes 3. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And that's what we've talked about at the beginning of this year is the seasons of life, how to transition in our personal life. We go through seasons. In our in the our climate, we go through seasons. A church goes through seasons. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ goes through seasons. And we see for the things that God has appointed, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, verse 2 talks about what we're going to talk about next. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. So what we're going to begin to talk about now, we ended last week with the end of that series, which is the final season, which is the, the this transition from this life to the next life. And what we're going to begin to look at now, we're going to begin a new series, because we're going to begin to look at this next life. And what the Lord asked me in my heart, when we, I was sitting in that service in, in Florida earlier this year, the question he asked me is, are you ready? And of course, it's, we kind of said, well, I'm in church, so of course I'm ready. Well, we're going to look at, at it so because I really believe that God wants to awaken us. There are several places in the Bible, a number of places, where in Ephesians chapter 5, I think, it says, awake sleeper, according to the Old Testament, which means as Christians, we can get sleepy. We can get into ruts, which is why we talked about transitions and seasons. We can get into habits of things and, and just kind of coast along going from one day to another. And that's one of the biggest dangers because we can live from one day to the next, which is all you can do. But, you know, our whole focus is on uh, today's Sunday. I got Sunday off tomorrow. I got to go to work. So I get up in the morning. You know, I brush my teeth. I get my cup of coffee. I do whatever it is your routine is. And then you do that again on Tuesday. Then you do that again on Wednesday. Then you do that again on Thursday. And you get, we go through our routine. So we're living our life one day at a time, which is all you can do. But if that's our focus, what's going to happen is you're going to come to the end one day and not have prepared. 
We spend our, you know, we prepare for vacations, we prepare for retirement, we prepare for everything else, but do we prepare for the ultimate change of season? Do we prepare for what is next? And so we're going to begin to look at this morning, are we ready? And the good news is, this is good news. Everybody do this, take a breath. If you're still breathing, there's time to get ready. If there's a breath in your lungs, if your heart's still beating, there's still time. But I can't tell you how much time. And one of the things we heard, so one of the reasons we go away like that, especially to a conference, back to where our roots are and the roots of this church are, because this church was founded by Pastor Sam and Donna Smith, and Pastor Sam was in the charter class at Rama, And so the, the DNA of, the, of what was taught there is in the roots of this of this ministry, and I believe it's part of why we're here. But, but, but I go back to here, what is God saying to the church? What is God saying to us? And I'm, I was encouraged because the, the, the things I heard were things I've been already hearing inside, and that's, that's encouraging for a pastor, because you want to know, the, the scariest thing to me is to be responsible for the lives of 700 people and have no idea what God's saying. So the most important thing to me is, am I hearing? And am I hearing clearly? And that takes work and to, to make sure that the pipes are open, to make sure that my heart stays open and pure, because that's what you hear through, is your heart. And I heard things out there were confirming of where God is working in my life, and I believe is working in this church. But one of the things I heard that was reminded me of is, is, that, is that I believe that the Lord is coming back soon. I believe the Lord is coming back soon. One of the things we heard was a prophecy that had been given out there several years ago. Uh, Pastor Hagen uh, had a vision. He said, I just don't get visions like my father did. But I, this, he had a vision several years ago, and he saw a curtain. And the curtain just kept getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And on the other side was the Lord. And the Lord, he said, what does this mean? The Lord said, this is how close I am to coming back. So if he's coming back... We need to be ready. So we're going to look at what it takes to be ready, but we want to do this not so the idea we come through with more information about what's coming, but with a sense of urgency in our heart. The purpose of these messages is not to teach us about the end times, because I don't teach much on the end times, because I'll be very, very honest with you. I don't know much. I don't understand much of what's about the end times. And I hear teachings on all kinds of sides about kinds of issues, and that's fine. And there are people that believe with all our hearts certain things. But I'm only going to teach you what I know I understand, and then tell you what my approach is to the things that I don't understand. And if you have a greater understanding of that, that's wonderful. Um, but, but, but what I want to, what I want what I feel in my heart, God wants to do with us is to, is to create in us a sense of urgency and preparedness, not fear, but urgency. Just because we don't have to be afraid, the problem we go to the other scene is we become complacent. We're lazy, as God spoke to me about some things this morning. So we're going to begin to look at, and what I want to start just looking at is the reality of eternity. The reality of eternity. Because we spend most of our time, almost all of our time, maybe with a few exceptions, but we spend almost all of our time focused on this life. We invest our money in this life, in living a better life. We invest our time, our energy, our focus. And the only the things that we have that are irreplaceable are our time and our money, especially our time. And we devote almost all of our time to having a better life here. 
But what we need to get, which we're going to talk about today, is a perspective of comparing the time we have here with the time that has come to come. And if we get a godly perspective on that, we'll realize we need to invest far more in the life that's to come than we do in the life that's here. Because we, don't, we live without this perception. So we're going to go through some basic things this morning, but the purpose of this is to just give us a, a greater awareness of the reality and the, the, of, of eternity and that it's just waiting. Eternity for each one of us is one breath away. It's one heart, lack of a heartbeat away. And you never know when it's coming. So we're, we're, we're challenged in the Word of God to be ready. Not to be afraid, but to be ready. I was le- reading in Second Peter this morning. He talks about, and we'll probably get into this, be sober. That doesn't mean don't have a drink this morning. That means to be alert, alert, awake. Get a hold of yourself. Wake up! And sometimes we need to shake ourselves because in our humanity, we just get sleepy. We go from one day to the next day and we need to be awakened. And I believe that's what the Spirit of God wants to do for us uh, in this series we're going to talk about. So we're going to look at it for every one of us, the Bible says. Every one of us. Look to your left. That, that's, that's this side for you looking... To me, it's this way, but to you, it's this way. Now, look to your right. That's not hard. Okay. And look down at your own self. Every one of you is going to die. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. As I shared with you last week, when we hear that and go, oh, no, that means we need to renew our mind to some things. As I shared with you, and this wasn't something I thought up. But, you know, we hear, you know, how many of you, I'm not asking you to show your hands, how many of you excited to go to heaven? Yes! And Shundi, whoa, yes, I can't wait to go. And then you go to the doctor and he tells you you're going soon. And we fall apart. <laughs> and we looked last week at God's perspective on that for a Christian. It's, it's precious, it says in the Psalms. Precious in the sight of God is the death of his saints. Because in God's eyes, that's not the end. That's the beginning. And so we're going to renew our mind to what this means. And that's why the Bible says we're transformed in Romans 12 too, by the renewing of our mind. So we're going to just look at some things. Okay, if, if every one of us is going to... Eternity is something each one of us is going to pass into. Every one of us. No matter what you do, no what your education is, no matter what your financial position is, no matter what you have or don't have, every one of us is going to pass into eternity at some point. And so we're going to look at that a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews 9, verse 27. Simple little verse. As it is appointed, and we'll see down the road, we looked at it before, it's appointed by God. As it is appointed for men to die once. And after this, the judgment. We'll talk about that down the road. But what I want you to see here is it is appointed for everyone to die once. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin and for salvation. No, he's going to, he's going to appear for those who for those who wait for him. And the question is, 
Are you waiting for Him? Are you eagerly waiting for Him? Are you expecting Him to come? Are you hoping He comes soon? Are you hoping that gets put off? Are you hoping, oh my goodness, I hope it's not today? Because that's a reflection on in your heart whether you believe you're ready. Because when you believe you're ready, you want to see Him. And we're going to look at Paul. But if that scares you, if that says, oh my goodness, I hope it, I'm not ready yet, that means somewhere down inside you're not sure you're, you're ready. Because when you're ready, this is infinitely better. So the first way we're going, to, we're going to pass into eternity is by our physical death. Now go to Matthew 24. I'm just looking at how we're going to get there. And that it's going to happen to all of us one way or the other. Matthew 24. This is in the middle of some scriptures where Jesus is talking to his disciples about this very thing, about what's going to come and the urgency of being ready. And I'm not going to get into a lot of this because a lot of this is about the tribulation and I don't want to get into that because that gets, you'll get very, you can, I can get bogged down in there. But this is what I want us to see, Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour, no one, say no one. No. Say it this way, no, no. one. In the Greek, that means no one. <laughs> None. But at day or hour, he's talking about when the Lord comes back, in that day or but that of that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And I don't have time to get into it, but there's a scripture that says Jesus doesn't even know. Now let me ask you this question. If the angels don't know and Jesus doesn't know, how come some guy on television knows? I love it. And many of these men are sincere and they say God spoke to them and Jesus is coming back and those keep passing and passing. Now, somebody's going to be right at some point because think about this. Even a clock that's broken tells the correct time twice a day. Some of you will get that on the way home. That means if you just keep saying the same thing over and over again, eventually you'll be right. But that doesn't prove that you're hearing from God. So when I hear these prophecies, all I, we were, last time that one of these came up, we were coming back from a vacation. Actually, we've been on a cruise, and we're sitting that last morning when they, you know, they're trying to get you out so they can get the new people in. And, you know, we're sitting at a table with some people, and they found out I was a pastor. He said, well, what do you think? This prophecy's out there that, you know, tomorrow the end is coming. And I said, well, listen, that interesting. Jesus doesn't even know when it's coming, and this guy knows. So of that day or hour, no one comes, but even knows, even the, not even the angel of heaven, but my Father only knows. All right. Verse 37. But here's, here's what we're to do. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. What that means is no, Noah knew it was coming, but he didn't know when. For as of the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. That doesn't mean the Son of Man is going to come like a flood. What he's talking about is they didn't know ahead of time when it was going to be. So although they were laughing at crazy Noah building this boat, and they laughed at him, and one morning they caught up, and they didn't laugh anymore because it started to rain. But they didn't know when that was coming. Now listen carefully. Noah was ready. He didn't know when. But he was ready because he heard God speak and obeyed God. And listen to this. And because he heard God speak and obeyed God, his whole family was saved 
from the flood. So you parents and grandparents, what you do with the Lord affects your whole family. But everybody else refused to listen to what God told Noah. And as a result, because they measured whether what Noah, they should believe Noah or not, based on what they saw. Oh, this is going to get good. They walked by sight. They lived their life, made their judgments based on what they could see. And what Jesus is saying here is what they saw was every day was the same as the day before. People got married. People conducted their lives every day just as they... Because of that, they assumed that tomorrow was going to be like today. Therefore, they had time. Therefore, they didn't need to listen to crazy Noah. Because they had time, because they're looking at, hearing what Noah says, that there's a flood coming, get ready, and they don't listen because they look at what they have. And we're going to see in a minute, there's an arrogance in that. And suddenly one day the rain starts coming and the flood's coming, and at that point it's too late. Because Noah and his family, those that listened, were ready, they were in the ark. That's what this verse is talking about. Verse, let's go to verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one the other left. Two women will be grinding in the mill, and one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore. Therefore means because of what I just said. Watch. Be alert. Be awake. Be sober. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. In other words, if a, if a burglar made an appointment to steal, <laughs> nobody get anything stolen from them because the police would already be there. So they come when you don't expect it. That's why they don't come at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, knock on your door, say, good morning. Have you had your coffee and you're awake? Would you let my police move aside? I'd like to come in and steal your jewelry and things like that. No, they come when you least when you're not expecting them. Therefore, because of all this, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. So we're talking about passing into eternity. And the two ways that's going to happen is either you die before He comes, or you're alive when He comes, and when He comes, that's the end here. Because you're either going up, or you're going down into eternity. But the point is, as a result, because what he is telling us is he's coming. What he is telling us is he's coming when you don't know. And as a consequence of that, the message from God is, be ready. So that's why we're doing this series, Are You Ready? And then we're going to begin to look at, what does it mean to be ready? What do I have to do? But before we get into that, we need to get impressed upon us the reality of eternity. So that's what we're going to begin to look at today. We live our lives, as I said earlier, just like they did in the day of Noah. One day at a time, we make decisions. Listen carefully. We make decisions every day that affect eternity, but without thinking of eternity. I'm going to say that over here. We make decisions every day. Think about that. 
decisions every day that affect eternity without ever thinking about the eternity that we're affecting. We make decisions with the perspective of this life only, not realizing that those decisions affect eternity. I'm not talking about whether you go to heaven or not. That's a decision you make. But there's more than going to heaven. The Bible tells us, it doesn't tell us a whole lot, but it tells us that there's rewards. It tells us that there's responsibilities that you'll be given. Because when Jesus comes back and establishes his thousand-year reign on the earth, you'll have work to do. Heaven is not sitting on a cloud with a harp in one hand and a glass of iced tea in the other, looking down watching your favorite team. You're going you're gonna to learn in heaven. What you don't learn here, you're going to have to learn in heaven. And there are going to be a lot of Christians in Christianity 101 in heaven. And some of them may surprise you, because some of them may come from behind pulpits. Just because you're behind a pulpit doesn't mean you've learned what you need to learn. Just because you know the Bible doesn't mean you've learned what Because there are a lot of people that know the Bible that haven't learned the lessons of the Bible. Because Jesus says you're blessed not because you know these things. You're blessed because you do these things. So Christianity 101 is not going to be sitting in a classroom learning Bible. Christianity 101 is going to be learning how to get along with your neighbor, how to love those that don't love you, how to, get, how to do things of the heart, how to change your behavior and your heart. That's where we need to grow and learn. But we have the opportunity here to skip from 101. You can, you can go to from first, kindergarten to first grade. You can even get into high school, Christianity high school while you're here. There's no limit on how far you can grow, but the opportunities here are determining some things there. And how faithful you are to what God's given you to do here determines what responsibilities He's going to entrust to you. And so, so you may say, well, I don't want to, I want to just, you know, I want to sit on a cloud and, and play a harp. You, but, the, 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 but the attitude in heaven is not the attitude here. You understand the crowns we're going to get are not so we can walk around for eternity saying, I got three of them. You only got two. Whoa, I'm not hanging out with you. No, because you know what we do with those crowns? There comes a point when we take the crowns and we get, to, we, we get to throw them at His feet and worship Him with it. And so the more crowns you've gotten, the more you're going to be able to give back to Him and worship with Him. Imagine getting there, which is wonderful, and having nothing, because everything we've been able to do here is solely because of Him. But what I want to impress on you this morning, and I believe God wants to impress on us this morning, is how real eternity is and how long eternity is. And this, this thinking we have that we need to renew our minds to, that we live each day, make decisions each day, based on this life. When we're, for instance, I'll give you an example of some of those decisions we make. They're decisions of obedience, of, of what am I living my life for today? Now, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but there's some people that got up this morning and looked at the thermometer or whatever and decided, you know what, I'll go next Sunday. They made a decision. 
And, 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 and Jesus may not come back between now and then. But there, you're going to hear something this morning that's going to impact you for eternity that they won't. So they made a decision this morning that they'll never realize what they missed. Because God's speaking something today that they're not going to hear. And say, so, well, they may watch it you know, on TV or, or they may stream it, but it's not the same as being here. One of the things we're going to see that we're to do and be careful of. In Hebrews it says that, that we're not, to not forsake our assemblings together on TV. Oh, excuse me. Not to forsake listening to our favorite podcast. No, not to forsake our assembling together. All the more as you see that day coming. So the closer we get to that day, the more we need to assemble together. And you made the decision today to come together and assemble that may well have some eternal consequence. The eternal doesn't just mean whether you're going to get there. It has affects what's going to happen when you're there because of things you've learned, things that have happened to you, things that God may be able to do in your life. And we make decisions every day that affect eternity for us. But without thinking about eternity, we make them in light of today, this life. Well, what's it going to mean that I miss a service? What's the big deal? I can go tomorrow. Well, first of all, we don't know that. We don't know that. Jesus could come back in the morning. And that may be why this message is being preached. Okay, let's move on. So, we're going to look a little bit at eternity this morning, to the extent that we can, <clears throat> from several aspects. First of all, this life is all we know. Is that true? Make sure I'm talking the right group. Okay. This is life is all we know. So we determine, without renewing our mind, our understanding of the future is based on what we know now. So we assume eternity is basically a better version of now. It's heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day it will be. I just don't want to go today. <laughs> but we tend to take what we know now and project it into the future. And so we have all kinds of, you know, cute symbols and things we use of God and of heaven, like, you know, angels on a cloud and things like that. And yet, the Bible doesn't tell us those things. But one thing we know about eternity, let's talk about how long eternity is. Even that is a contradiction in terms. Because everything we know here has a beginning and has an end. Let's go to James chapter 4. Because I want to talk to you about how brief this life is. Now, you find the older you get, the more you can realize this. I look back at 50 years of marriage and say, where did that go? Where did that go? We were looking on the plane, a picture I got on my phone of during the first year of our marriage. And, huh, I had hair. <laughs> I got some. I, I treasure every follicle. But I had hair. <laughs> and it was dark. 
And we were able to look in on, you know, my face. She said, you look like a kid. Well, I was only 22, 22 years old. And she, she was, still is, gorgeous. But she's, it was like, oh my goodness. And I can remember that day we're getting in a car to, to go back home from, from Thanksgiving with my mother. It's like, wow, where did it go? And, and you look at, you know, it's it, my age, and it's like, it went, <sighs> go so fast. When you're younger, you don't look at it that way. When you're younger, when you're in your teens, and when you're in your early 20s, it's like, everything's in front of me. This is why, oh, this is why God, I, in a church like this, God blends the older generations in with the younger generations because we need each other. I get concerned because there's a lot of churches out there, they don't want older people. They just want younger people. The problem is, older people have been through stuff. So when you've been through stuff, you have a perspective. Yeah, that's going to be okay. I've been through that a number of times. I've also made some mistakes, so I'm not so quick to jump into some things that when you're younger, you just jump into and make mistakes. And if you won't listen to older people, you're going to make the same mistakes they did that you didn't have to make if you just listen. And so, how did I get off on that? I better get into James. It was good. James 4, verse 13. Come now, you say, today or tomorrow, we'll go and do such and such, and, do such, and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. There's nothing wrong with those things, but he's saying, you're planning based on the fact that you've always been able to do things. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor. Now think of what a vapor is. A vapor is like fog. It's like smoke. It just kind of floats around. You can see through it, and it's temporary. It moves around, and it just disappears. We landed uh, a Friday night, and it was foggy. But the fog will just lift. So our life is like, in terms of time and, and the substance of it, it's like a vapor. It's like smoke that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Over in Second in, in, uh, in Peter, he talks about life is like it's like it's like the, the 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 lilies of the field. It's like it's like grass that that comes up today and it just dies out. It's gone, and so it's like wildfire flower, wildfire wildflowers that are here and then then they're bloom gone. They just dry up, and so our life is like that. It, and it's so short and so quick, and and I love the example of a vapor because. A vapor doesn't have much substance to it. And we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Verse 15. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. And what he's saying is, is, you know, we don't have to ask the Lord permission to, you know, to go brush your teeth. You don't have to ask permission. Some over-spiritual people do things like that. But what he's saying is, whatever it is you're doing, have God in the, as your perspective on it. And so, verse 16. But you boast in your arrogance. In other words, when we look at our life as if, well, I got control of it. It's always going to be the way it is. I understand this. I'm going to make my own plans based on my own life. And he says, there's an arrogance in that. We live in a world that's very arrogant. And you know, some, some people are arrogant because they get in your face and they're just arrogant. But there's a subtle arrogance, which is this is my life. I've got control of my life. I'm a self-made man. 
I'd make my own plans. You've never done anything like that in your life. Whatever you've done is because God allows you to do it or the devil helps you do it. You're either serving one or the other. There's no person that's independent of God or the devil. Because we're not capable of, we're not, you're not capable of having your own kingdom. And when I'm the master of my own life, I'm trying to establish my own kingdom. And that is rebellion and arrogance. And it can be a subtle attitude about my life. This is my life. And some of the biggest issues of our day are, well, I've got the right to make decisions about my body. Now, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. So everything has a beginning. In this life, everything has a beginning and has an end. And that's all we know. That's our experience. There's a time before it was, and we know people there's a time since, and they aren't. And you begin to look at people around you and project, you know, this person isn't there anymore, this person isn't here anymore, and if you've got your brain working at all, you can begin to project, you know what? It's kind of like walking in line, and there's a cliff. And you don't know where that is, but you're taking, every day's one step closer to that cliff. So what we do is we try to avoid it by going backwards. But you're still walking towards that cliff, and you don't know where it is. Except that we see some people have gone off the cliff. Because they're not here anymore. And you begin to realize if they've gone off it, and this person's gone off of it, and this per- I started counting the other day people I know around my age that aren't here anymore. And you begin to realize there's going to be a day, it's my turn. There used to be a time when I was a young man, when we were first married, the first year we were married, that scared me. I wasn't saved. I'd go to bed every Sunday night. I remember this thought hit me. I'm 23 years old, 22 years old. I'm, I'm a, no, yes. And I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a first-year law student. She's a nurse. She's working, uh, she's working to help put me through law school. And I go to bed every, when, every Sunday night and realize one year, one week of my life is just gone. And I'm 23, 22. And well, that's okay. I'm young. And the next week, another week's gone. And bro, you know, after a while, I'm going to come to the end of this. And it used to scare me. So one of the first things that happened when I got saved is that went away. I stopped being afraid of that. And I'm just speaking from my heart because there may be people here this morning that you're doing that and don't realize you're doing that. And God wants to bring you out of that. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked here. Okay. So in, 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 our, in earth here, everything has a beginning and an end. But an eternity has neither a beginning. There's a beginning of when you enter it, but in eternity there's no time. So eternity being a long time, as I said earlier, is really a contradiction in terms because long implies a beginning and an end. But there's no time in heaven. That's why God can look at you now and see Jesus on the cross at the same time because there's no time in heaven. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures. In Isaiah 43, 10, don't look there, but he talks about, you are my witnesses to Israel. You are my witnesses, and I've chosen you to know me and believe me, and to know that I am God. There is no other God. There was no one before me, nor will there be anyone after me. God's not serving a term in heaven. He is it. And there is no beginning, and there is no end. 
So when we talk about eternity being a long time, it's far more than that. So we need to look at life here again and what we're doing here because at some point we're going to pass into that other realm where there is no time. And that's true whether you go to heaven or you don't. (laughs) Wherever you go, it is forever. That ought to be a sobering thought to us. Because I know that one of the things I look at here when I'm dealing with some difficulty is, well, I can suck it up. I can get through this. It's only going to be such and such a time. When I was going to go through the treatments last year, when does it start? When does it end? Because I can live with that. I can get, you know, I can go through that. So we look at it. I remember when God dealt with me about going to Bible school. I made a deal with him. Because that, that back then they had a, a one-year program and a two-year program. And I said, God... I can go for nine months. I can do anything for nine months. I can hold my breath for, you know, I can get through this for nine months. Get out there and God begins to deal with me about going to the second year. God knew how to deal with me. But my thinking was, I can get through this because I know there's going to be an end. Even if you're really suffering hard in this life, well, at least this life's going to end and I'll get out of the suffering. But what you get out of that suffering into never ends. That in itself ought to be a very sobering thought to us. Now, I know this isn't popular to hear, but it's necessary to hear. It's ne- if I told you there's a book in the bookstore you could get, and if you read that book carefully and do what it says, you can avoid all this and live forever, well, first of all, you wouldn't want to. But there isn't such a book. Instead, we got a book in there that tells you how to live so you can live forever where you want. Well, So we need to wake up. We need to be sober. We need to awaken ourselves and be awakened to the reality that when we leave here, whether it's when Jesus comes back or we breathe our last breath here, we're going to be in that eternity wherever it is we're going. And that is forever. No beginning other than when we get there and no end. It's forever. Let me look at the second part of what eternity is. Eternity is more real, infinitely more real, than anything you know in this life. We've talked about this before. There's two realms of existence that the Bible teaches us. There's this natural material realm, which is what God made in Genesis 1 and 2. The story of it we have in Genesis 1 and 2. And that is temporary. But it's all we know until you're born again and begin to walk in the Spirit. But there's a spirit realm out there. God lives in the spirit realm. The devil lives in the spirit realm. Angels are in the spirit realm. Demons are in the spirit realm. And everyone that leaves, when you leave this body, your spirit man enters into that realm. Well, let's put it this way. It leaves this realm. And so, but all we are experienced with until we learn to walk in the spirit is that everything here seems very real. The way I determine if something's real is I can touch it. So I know this pulpit is real because I can, I can touch it, and you can hear it. So you have some confidence that it's real. So we assume what's real is what my five senses... Everybody with me this morning? Okay. What's, what, but my five senses confirm that something's real. 
But what that leaves out is assumes that if I can't sense it, if I can't see it, if I can't touch it, if I can't hear it, smell it or taste it, then it's not real. Which is ridiculous because this room's filled with TV waves and radio waves and microwaves. We can't see, feel, touch, or hear any, any of those, but they're still real. But the spirit realm is more real than this natural realm. I'll give you a couple of scriptures and then we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that in a minute. In uh, 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 well, 2 Corinthians 5, we talked about this last week. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4. For, and this is in the middle of a series of scriptures we may get to today, but we may not get to until next week. For we who are in this tent, that's your earthly body, are being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality, we talked about this life, that mortality, that's this life, may be swallowed up by life. Notice Paul doesn't say that you trade this minor life for this better life. Because I think that's what we thought heaven was like. I think we thought that heaven is trading this, this temporary inferior life for a better life. But that's not what Paul says here. He says this life you're living here compared to that life is mortality. And then we talked last week about the word swallowed up. You don't trade anything. That life, the life of he- what heaven's like, the life in the spirit realm is so much more real, it engulfs and swallows up what we think is life here. And I've used this example before many times. Moses on the mountain with God doesn't eat food or doesn't drink water or anything for 40 days and 40 nights. Why can he live without water or anything for 40 days when you can't live more than three or four days without anything to drink? Because he was in the presence of life himself. God is absolute life. Absolute life. So he, Paul looks at this life that we try to hold on as mortal, temporary, short-lived, frail, flimsy, like a vapor, will be swallowed up by what's real, by life. Let's go to Second Peter. Excuse me. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm going to tell you a, a brief story. This was out of a, a, a... Certain things make an impression on me that begin to, to make real a, a picture in my mind, make real a principle. And one of my favorite authors, I haven't read much of him lately, is C.S. Lewis. And there's a, there's a story he writes called The Great Divorce. And it's not about a couple breaking up. It's about the great divide. And it's between heaven and hell. And it's an allegory. But he tells a story about this son who, who's on a bus. And this isn't scriptural. But he's on a bus that's taking a tour of heaven. By the way, his mother is in hell pleading with him to come there so she can have him with her. I don't want to get off on this too much. But this is a great example where human love is selfish. And I, I, I don't mean to disrespect to mothers because it's true with fathers. We can place our children into a place in our lives where they're above God. Where we want them more than we want God in our lives. And when we do that, we're being selfish. So what we'll actually do is we'll put ourselves between God and our children. So instead of God reaching them, we're in His way. And I've had God has speak to me about that before. So here's a mother in hell pleading with her son not to go to heaven because if he goes to heaven, she can't have him with her. He gets off this bus 
And he starts walking on this grass and, 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 and a guide comes to meet him. An angel comes to meet him. And he's walking on this grass and he's walking in a human body. And this is just an allegory now. And he's walking on this grass and he looks down and notices that the blades of grass are sticking through his feet. Now, if you or I, it's hard to do this this time of year, but in the springtime when the grass is coming up, you get out there. I've got some new grass we planted in our backyard last week, winter, summer. And I was very careful because if I step on it, no matter what shoes I'm wearing, I'm going to crush it. Why? Because there's more mass or substance to my shoe than there is to the blade of grass. So when I step on a blade of grass because of the, the reality of my shoe is more st- stronger or more substance than the grass, the grass bends under the pressure of the reality of my shoe. What C.S. Lewis is getting, because what the angel says to him, he says, well, how come the grass, listen carefully, how come the grass is sticking through my feet? And the angel says, because you're, the grass is more real than your foot. Remember how Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, he's now living not with a physical body anymore. He's living in a, in a body that's of that re- eternal realm. And he didn't come to the door where they were meeting and go, it's I, it's Jesus, would you please let me in? What did he do? He walked through the wall. Why? Because his body was more real than the wall. That's hard for our mind to grasp because we've all bumped into walls, stubbed our toes on doors, and you know, we, we've all had the occasion of running into something of this realm and we couldn't go through it. Instead, it's called a fender bender. It's when the car behind you thinks that it's more real than you or your car and tries to pass through you because it's not more real, it bounces off. And so the, the, the image here is that the heaven is a reality that is infinitely more real than this life. Infinitely more real than this life. Hebrews 11.3, we're not going to turn there, but it's talking about faith. And, and we need to learn to live by faith because what faith does, faith allows you to live in this temporary realm with your eyes on the eternal realm. And so Hebrews begins by telling us what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, the, the elders obtained a good report. It goes on in verse 3 to say, By faith we understand, not by atomic microscopes, not by atomic telescopes, by faith we understand that the worlds, this natural realm was framed or made by the Word of God so that the things that are seen, the things that are of this realm, were not made from things that are seen, but from things visible, but they were made from the spirit realm. Everything that exists here in this natural realm came out of the spirit realm, not the other way around. Man did not invent God. I'm sorry, Nietzsche. I'm sorry, Marx. Man did not invent God. By, that, by now you know that. By now they know that. But it's too late for them. So, eternity has no time. It's forever. Eternity is infinitely more real than this life that we know so well. And eternity is inevitable. You can't avoid it. 
Either you're going to go into eternity because your body's going to stop functioning. And actually, as we explained last week, it's not because your body stops functioning. It's because your spirit leaves your body. That's why your body stops functioning. If you've ever been around somebody that passed away, they breathed out and then their body collapsed, stopped functioning. Jesus released his spirit and his body died. In Psalms it says, and we release our spirit and, and the body dies. So eternity is inevitable. Eternity is forever. Eternity is more real. And eternity is God's purpose and plan. I want to end by reading through this scripture because we we'll, may well pick up on this next week. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, Paul had this perspective, the Apostle Paul. The apostles had this perspective. And by the way, as you, as you read through the book of Acts and some of Paul's writings, you can tell that they expected Jesus to come back soon, then. They were expecting him to come back soon. So they lived their life with that expectation. It's why Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, they, they, they joyously experienced the, 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 the loss of all their possessions. In fact, in the book of Acts, when they began to come together as a church, they, not because somebody told them they had to, it wasn't a tax, of their own will and desire, they sold their possessions and brought all their assets together to take care of one another. And some have said, well, that shows that, 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 that God likes socialism. No, no, they did that out of their heart of love. Socialism doesn't come out of people's hearts. It's forced on them from the outside, and that never works. The socialism and communism is an effort to force on people what we're supposed to do from our hearts. And it doesn't work if it doesn't come out of the heart. It doesn't work in church if it doesn't come out of the heart. And so out of their heart they did that, but they looked at their possessions. They looked at their 65-inch flat-screen TVs. They looked at their new, brand-new car. They looked at their new suit. They looked at all their new, you know, the new microwave oven or the new dishwasher. They looked at their new house, and they said, you know what, compared to eternity, doesn't mean anything. He's coming back soon. So let's, let's, it doesn't mean anything. So I'm going to convert it into something that does mean anything. I'm going to sell it all, and we're going to sow it into the gospel together. Now, that doesn't mean we need to do that. Remember I said there are seasons at church? That doesn't mean we need to all go out and sell everything we have and then come together and live here this week. But we need to live our life with that value system that the stuff we have is just entrusted to us for God's purposes. So Paul had this attitude. The, the church had this attitude. Some of them went through tremendous suffering. But they were joyful. Why? Because they weren't looking at what they had now. They weren't looking at what they were going through now. All they saw was eternity and it was waiting them. And that's why the martyrs, we don't have time to get in there this morning, but the martyrs, that first century, when Nero was literally, for entertainment purposes, because what he did is he blamed the, the Christians for things he did wrong. Because he had to blame somebody. And so literally they would, they would crucify Christians on the road and in the Colosseum and burn them on the cross to, to, light up the, to, to light up their festivals. And the Christians would sing and praise God as they were tied to those crosses. And they, they would sing and praise God. 
How, how can you do that? Because they were already in their heart there. They were more there than they were here. And we as the church need to become more there than we are here. And I've begun to experience that in my life at a level I've never experienced before. So I believe God's calling us to lead you there. So I'm going to end by reading this scripture, which we've been reading before. But this is where we need to come to and realize eternity is real. And for a Christian, it's glorious, it's hopeful. But we need to live our life here because how we live our life here affects what that's going to be like. So it's not just, well, I got my ticket into heaven. It's, what am I going to do when I get there? What's that going to be like? Am I going to look back at this life with regrets when I can't do anything about it anymore? It's all good news. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore, he's talked about what he went through. And this is how he could go through it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't get discouraged. For though our outward man, this body is perishing, our inward man, the spirit man, the real meat on the inside, is being renewed or strengthened day by day. For our light affliction, go back and read what that was like, is but for a moment. He's comparing what he's just gone through, through his whole ministry. And he said, he calls it a light affliction. He was, he was scourged more than Jesus was. He was beaten more than Jesus was. And he calls it a light affliction. Why? Because light is compared to something else which is for a moment, which talks about the time. So compared to what he was looking at, what he went through was light. Wasn't that hard? And compared to what he looked at and what he went through, it was very short time. It's working for us. He's doing something. He's not talking about whether he's going to be saved or get to heaven. A far more exceeding and eternal Weight of glory. So the contrast is between the light affliction of the trouble he was going through here compared with the weightiness of the, of the presence of God, the weightiness of the reward, the weightiness of what, of what eternity was like for him, going to be like for him. And it was going to be eternal, whereas this affliction was momentary and light. Verse 18. For while we, this is how he could do it. We look not at the things that are seen, that's this temporary life, but at the things that are not seen, that's the eternal life. For the things that are seen are temporary. Whatever you're going through now is temporary. But how you go through it, what you do with your life, is eternal. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen, this spiritual realm, is eternal. And now he's going to talk about death, which we've talked about before. Verse 5, chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, this body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. This is what he kept looking for. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, this new body. For indeed, having been clothed, we will not be found naked. Verse 4, for we are in this tent, still in this earthly body, are being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. We already talked about that. Now look at verse 5. This is the last thing we're looking at. He who prepared us for this very thing is God. So if God's prepared us for us, it's good. That went over big. 
Do you believe your Bible? Well, God says it's good. But see, we're looking at it from our side. Remember we talked about the racer last week coming to the end of his race and he's afraid of crossing the finish line? So he holds back. He's afraid of crossing the finish line. God wants us to run with all our might through our course, to finish our course with joy. Why? Because not only are we not afraid of what's on the other side of it, we can't wait to get there because on the other side is the laurel wreath, the gold medal, the, the, the silver medal, the bronze medal. Over there is the reward, the crowns, the, 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 just even to look in his eyes and hear his voice saying, Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm striving for. I want to hear, Well done. I, you, I, you, you brought pleasure to me. Say, well, what's good? Oh, to hear him say that and to look in your eyes and smile at you is everything. There's nothing this world can offer you that begins to approach what that will be like. He who prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Verse 6. So we are always confident. This is where his confidence came from. Knowing that while we're at home in this body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. This is the ultimate purpose for faith. For we're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. He said, I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm going to be happier when I'm not living in this body anymore and I'm present with the Lord. Because to leave this body, I'm in his presence. I told you last week, death for a Christian it's like this. It's taking your coat off. It's taking this body off, and now immediately you're in His presence. Immediately you're in His presence. Next verse. Therefore we make it our aim. Because of this, this is what the aim of my life is. We make it our aim, whether present, here, or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. To be well-pleasing to Him. Verse 10, for we must all, say all, all. Appear, appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body. We're not talking about whether you go to heaven here, that we may receive for what we did here. The things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, and that means useless. So when we get there, how we've lived here, what we've done here affects there because we're all going to appear before. I'm talking about Christians now. For those that aren't Christians, you're going to appear before the judgment seat of God, the great white throne of God, and there's no reward there. That goes to the second death. We'll talk about that down the road. Okay. Verse 11. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Now, some translations say the fear of the Lord. I've looked that word up. It's the Greek word phobos, which means fear, but it also means reverence. There's a fear of God that draws you closer to Him and a fear, of God, a fear that makes you run away. Israel, when God appeared on the mountain and they heard His voice speak and they heard the ground thumb, thunder rumbled, they, ran, they were afraid of God and ran away from him. Moses feared God and ran up to him. So there's different fear. There's a scared of 
And Jesus talks about that, in, or he talks about that in John chapter one, because when you've got things to hide, you want to run away from him, because he said they're afraid of the light, because the light shines what's going on on the inside. So if we're afraid of God and run a pull, it may be because there are things in us we're afraid to look at. By the way, he knows anyway. You know, when you finally got honest with him about something, it's not when he discovers it and says, Oh, you get what? You've got what attitude in your heart? No, he's the one that's trying to show us. We persuade men. And we're well known to God. I also trust that we're well known in your conscience. What does this all mean? It means that we've got to begin, because we're going to be, this is just beginning, to look at are you ready? But to see if eternity is just something off in the distance somewhere that, oh yeah, someday we'll have to get there. You won't take what we're going to talk about seriously. But if you realize what eternity means, it's forever. It's more real, which means the joy is more real in heaven and the pain and agony and the guilt is more real in hell. There's an old expression, which is really true, that if you're a Christian, this life is the most hell you'll ever experience. If you're not a Christian, this life is the only heaven you'll ever experience. My friends, I'm talking to you and me about very serious stuff. We love to hear God's our Father. He's a good, good Father and He loves us. But Hebrews 12 tells us because He's a good Father, because He loves us, He prepares us if we will listen. And the time is gone to plug our ears and to close our eyes. Because the Bible says in several places, in Matthew 13 especially, Jesus says, I have to speak in parables because the general people, they see but they don't, they, they have eyes but they don't see. They have ears but they don't hear. Because their hearts have grown dull or hard. Because if they were able to see and hear and their hearts were open, I would be able to heal them. I would be able to save them and rescue them. So we have to be awakened. Alert, alarm clock has to go off. Not to scare us, but to awaken us and to alert us. And God wants to lead us through this if we'll just listen to Him and be ready. Amen? Amen. We're going to begin to go into in next week about what it means to be ready. What eternity means is the beginning of that. Let's pray. Father, we're living in very difficult and perilous times. And we don't know when Jesus is coming back, but many of us sense it's very soon. But we do know this. It's sooner today than it was yesterday. It's sooner today, much sooner today, than it was when Paul wrote and Peter wrote the words that they wrote. It may be today, Lord. Lord, help us to take seriously the time we're in. Help us to take seriously the time we have left to focus our life and the purpose of our life for your purpose for our lives. We've wasted so much time, so much energy, so many resources on trying to satisfy our needs and the needs of other people, trying to fulfill even our own lust, trying to live our own life. Wake us up. 
by your Spirit. While there's time that we may realize the time we're in, the time we have left is short. And Lord, the urgency that's in our heart, that must be in our heart, not just for make our own lives right, but for the lives of those that are around us, our family, friends, co-workers, and whoever else you may bring across our path. Lord, we thank you for the grace to do this. Take us by the hand and lead us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close the service, I want to ask this question. We started to talk this morning about are you ready? We've been addressing primarily believers, Christians, who have given their life to Christ because we need to be ready. But far more important than that is whether or not you're ready to face God. If you were to stand before Christ this morning and He were to ask you, why should I, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? You can't just stand there and say, I don't know. That's not the right answer. Our temptation until mine was most of my life was, well, I go to church. I give money to the church. I, actually, Jesus, I've been, I've been a deacon in my church. I've gone to church my whole life. Not only that, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to save the mankind and you died for the sins of the world. I believe that up until I was 37 years old, 35 years old. Until one night I realized I'd never asked Christ into my heart. You see, it's not whether you go to church. It's not whether you give. We need to do those things. It's not even that you believe in God. Jesus said the demons believe in Him and tremble. Jesus told us what it takes to get into heaven. He said you must be born again. You must be born again. There's no other way. And I'll explain what that means in a minute. Then He said, and later on, He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to my Father. No one gets into heaven unless they go through me. There have been many great leaders that have lived before, many good religious people that have espoused wonderful principles and good theories. But there's only one Son of God that came to the earth to open the door into heaven for mankind. And that was Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. So the answer is, what do you have to do to be born again? It's very simple. You must, as an act of your will, choose to receive Christ into your life as your personal Savior. It's a personal thing you must do. You must ask Him to come into your life as the one that paid for your sin. And then you must take your life as it is right now and put it into His hands to be the Lord over your life, to take over your life. Not going to hurt you or control you to guide your life. If you've never done that before, I want to help you this morning. I want to help you by praying for you and praying with you but I need you to let me know by raising your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. We're talking about where you're going to spend what we just talked about today, eternity. You get to choose. You don't choose the rules, but you get to choose where you're going to go. What is your answer today? To say nothing, to make no choice, is to choose the default position is hell. I want to give a second invitation. 
You may say, Pastor, I've done that before, but I'm not walking with him anymore. I, I know I, I've invited Christ into my life, but I'm not living for him anymore. I'm not talking about going through, a, going through a, a dry spell. That can happen. You know who you are, if that's you. You're just not where you used to be. You're out there on your own. And it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter whether you're mad at God or you think God's mad at you. None of that matters right now. All that matters is that you understand God still loves you. He's never stopped loving you. And this morning, today, He wants to put His arms around you, pour that love out on you, clean you up from whatever you've been in and set you back on your walk with Him. That's what He wants to do for you, but you've got to take a step of faith towards Him. If that's you, I want to pray for you, but I need you to let me know by raising your hand. Okay, praise God. Just a rem-